Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Man, uh, if you guys haven't got a chance yet, spend some time with your family or friends. Have a little movie night, man. Watch, put on the Netflix, uh, and spend some time together during this Christmas season. That's supposed to be celebrated with one another. Uh, today, I want to talk about the importance of family, or specifically look at a family. Last week, we started off with uh, uh, talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and we're going to continue in that story and introduce a new character that many of you probably have heard of before. Uh, his name is Joseph. Joseph, we're, kind of, we're going to find out here in the book of Matthew, is engaged to marry, uh, to be married to Mary. And, uh, and Joseph is kind, of one of those, it's kind of one of those people in the Bible that you don't hear a lot about him. Like if you were to, if you were to do a study on specifically Joseph himself and, and, and his life and what's foretold about him, uh, it would be a very short study because there's only a, a handful of verses. But as I, as I read it and I think about what it takes to be the man that would raise what would be the king of kings and the lord of lords, it's, it's not a minimalistic uh, role at all. It's a very big role. There's a lot of weight with it. It's one of those things that, that, that if that were you and I, it would completely change our purpose in our way of life. We find out in the Bible that uh, that Joseph specifically comes from a little town south of Jerusalem called Bethlehem. Bethlehem uh, was barely on the map when it comes uh, to any towns in that day. It was a very, very small town. Uh, The thing that is important about Bethlehem, though, is there was some prophecies that were foretold of what would come out of Bethlehem. The prophecy was that there would be a king who would reign and his kingdom would never fail. Now, if you were a Hebrew in that time, this was an important prophecy because there had been so many upsets of different uh, uh, powers that would control the Hebrew people or that would oppress the Hebrew people. You would have them come out of Egypt, right? The Passover feast that is celebrated is about about them coming out uh, uh, out of Egypt and out of oppression and slavery. Later on, you'd see that the Roman Empire would be over, over the, the Israelite people. And so specifically, an idea of a king to come out of this small little town, was, it was a pretty, pretty big deal. So we see that Joseph was born out of that. And if Joseph being the father or the father figure of the Savior of the world to come, you would think in those days that, that God would pick someone that is maybe a leader of the Jewish people. Someone that very, very strong leadership uh, ability, maybe, maybe a mayor of a town or a strong uh, uh, pr- uh, priest or something like that. But no, no, he doesn't. He doesn't choose that. He chooses a carpenter. He chooses a, a blue collar, blue collar worker. He chooses someone that the, the term that is used to describe what Joseph did in carpentry. Uh, there was another term that would have described if he was like a chief over other carpenters, or if he was like the architect type of carpenter. But no, he was just, he was just a blue-collar construction worker. I love the fact that I look throughout the Bible and I see that Jesus and God uses normal, regular people to do miraculous things in the world. 
It gives me hope for, for us as a community. It gives me hope for, for who I am, that in spite of, of, of uh, my inability, in spite of my weaknesses, God can still step in and do something miraculous in me and in you. And so Joseph has these, this hard-working, blue-collar guy. Uh, we see him come into the picture, and, and he's talked about in the, the beginning of the New Testament. The very first book uh, is the book of Matthew. Now, here's the thing that's, that's tough. Uh, when it comes to the Bible, it's split up in two different sections. You've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. The first book in the New Testament is the book of Matthew. And new believers, when they come in and they, they, they start to read the Bible, I, challenge, I said, man, the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is a great place to start. But when you crack open the book of Matthew, it starts out with genealogy. So it says Abraham begot, so, and it goes down the list, something like 20 generations. Which for some of us, you start to read that and it's like, man, I fall asleep real quickly. But there's importance there, and the importance is, is the context. See, we understand that Matthew is specifically writing to the, the Hebrew people. He's writing to the people that understood the Old Testament law, the Torah. He's understanding the people that had kept the Old Testament faith, which it's a miracle even that he's doing that because uh, if you know the history of Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector. And whenever the Bible talks about, uh, about Jesus reaching out to sinners, it always says something about sinners and tax collectors because they were below sinners. They were hated people. They were traitors to their own community. The way that they were able to be successful is they would steal from their own community before giving the taxes to the Roman Empire. And so here Matthew, the traitor of his own people, Jesus changes his life so incredibly much that then he empowers him to write this letter that would go on to change his people forever. It's a miracle in itself. So, so Matthew writes this, and he, he communicates this genealogy that for if you were just to read over it now, it would, you'd kind of glaze over it. But if you were uh, of the Hebrew faith and, 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 and read this, it would grab your attention because of the names that are talked about. He talks about how Abraham's genealogy would lead to, to King David, who was one of the great kings. And the how King David's generations would lead uh, to, to, to uh, what would be Joseph. And the reason why these, these things pick up is, or they would draw everyone's attention is because of the prophecies that were foretold of the king that would come from this lineage. So here's Joseph from this little town of Bethlehem that just happens to be the great, 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 great grandson from Abraham and David and what would come from his household would change the world in its entirety. And so when Matthew starts out and says this, this genealogy, it would have grabbed everyone's attention because they would have said, they would have understood, okay, there's something big about ready to happen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 17, he summarizes with this. He says, all those listed above in this genealogy including four, includes 14 generations from Abraham to David and 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah that is Jesus to come. When I think about this, when I think about the time that was put in to make this happen, I'm reminded that when it comes to the things that we're dealing with in our own lives, that sometimes what we want to happen doesn't happen quickly. Today specifically, I want to talk about the gift of peace 
in our lives. Peace that specifically comes from living out the purpose that God has for you. As we see the story of of, uh, Joseph unfolding, it says this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, then, he said, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you missed part one of this series, you can go back and watch it on YouTube, online. Uh, We specifically talked about the tension that would have happened with Mary finding out she's pregnant with what would be the Messiah. But specifically today, I want us to focus on the idea of what Joseph had to go through in this time. See, Joseph was, was uh, engaged to, he had had this contract with, uh, that, that Mary would become his wife. And when we read through it specifically uh, in, in the New Living Translation, it says in verse 19, it says that Joseph, to whom Mary was engaged, it says that he was a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, he, decided, he, he, he had decided to break the engagement quietly. Which when you read this, you're like, okay, I mean, that, that kind of makes sense a little bit, right? Uh, if at some point uh, Erica had come to me in our engagement and said, um, hey, I just want to let you know I'm pregnant, I'd have been like, um, excuse me, what's going on? I'm out of here, right? Throwing up the deuces. That's how our Western culture works right now. But in this culture, in Jewish culture, back then, this, this engagement, this wasn't just in an engagement. This was something that had already happened, and there was a commitment level that was made and so if you were to read on in, in verse 19 of the NIV version, it communicates a little bit better. It says, because Joseph, uh, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph, we see a little bit into his character here because it's not one of these things where in, in Old Testament law for this day, if if he could have, he could have gone to the public officials. And the Old Testament law says that, that Mary, because she, was, uh, because she had been made pregnant out of wedlock, she would have been stoned, which was a horrible thing to think of. Rather than take her before uh, the, the high priests, he has compassion. He says, I'm not even going to say anything right now. I'm just going to divorce her quietly. But even more than that, the reason why it's important for us to understand what this means is because this would have had a negative impact on him. Because if Mary were to continue to grow with this baby and she were to give birth and then Joseph were to walk away from her, it would have made him look bad in his culture. And so at risk to his own self, at risk to to what was best for him, his own own self-interests, the plan he has is to still be, have the heart of someone who's compassionate and to have pity. In the place that he's in, he doesn't, he doesn't know what the next step should be. The plan, you know, I think about, uh, you know, this engagement that he's gotten into. He, he's got a plan for what's to come. Him and Mary are going to be married, and he's going to go and, and, and have some little ones, and they're gonna, he's going to teach them how to be uh, carpenters, and then he's going to have some help around the house, and it'll help out in their city. And all of it comes crashing down because it's not going according to plan. I can't help but think that in this moment, Joseph does not feel any peace whatsoever. Matthew chapter 20, 
or Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, though, it goes on. It says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. There's a part that we should focus on this, and it says the angel tells him, you should name him Jesus. The reason why this is significant is not just because of the name that's chosen, but also because of the context of understanding when a child was to be named. See, a child wasn't ever named until after the child was born, and eight days later, especially if they were male, they would be circumcised. And in that moment, the father had the right to name their son. The father was the one that chose the name. It's completely different in our culture right now, right? Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. If, if I had the opportunity to name Ben, his name would have been like Rocky or something, right? Something really bad, right? Like, yeah. Um, Gunner. I think I, that was literally the name I picked out. Gunner. That's a good name. Um, if anybody here is named Gunner, I love you, man. It's great. Your, your dad, he really pulled one over on your mom. Good job. But in those days, that was the right of the father. So here an angel of the Lord comes down and he tells Joseph, he said, this, this isn't your son. He said, you're going to name him Jesus because this is, this is the son of God. He takes the right over. But the thing that he does give him in this, the thing that I think changes everything, that changes Joseph's thoughts on the matter, is he gives him purpose. He says, yeah, man, this, this, is, this is a big mess up according to whatever you had planned. This isn't, a go, this isn't going according to, to the way you thought it would. This is going to throw a wrench in the works for sure but I'm going to give you purpose. And he follows up with this. Uh, the the, the uh, angel recites a verse out of the book of Isaiah, and it's this prophecy. He says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And I can't help but think that in that moment, Joseph, understanding that he, it says that he followed the faith, he would have known the Torah, in that moment, as the angel tells him about the prophecy that was foretold hundreds of years earlier, as he remembers the prophecy that there would be a king that would be the king of kings that would come from the lineage of David, and he understands that that's his lineage, all the pieces automatically align. And in spite of, of, of something that would be an area of tension, in spite of something that would be an absolute mess, he understands that God has a purpose for him. In verse 24, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. He doesn't fight it. He doesn't say, oh, man, what the heck? This is not my plan. He recognizes his purpose in life and because of his purpose, it provides peace in him. And so, I want to challenge you with this. When it comes to the tension and the struggle 
and the areas of life that you're having a hard time with, when it comes to the things that you need a miracle in, that, that relationship that has been divided, that, that emotional idea of, of peace that has been far away, that, that financial freedom. Maybe you're at a point where you just feel all this stuff on your back at one time, and there's so many different pieces that, man, I, 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 can't, I don't even have the capacity to plan and put them all together for me to be able to work through them all. Rather than to see the way through it, I want to I challenge you with this question. is: Are you living in the purpose that God has called you to? For all of us, it's different, just so, just so we're clear. I don't think everyone's supposed to come up here on the stage and preach at some point in their life. The Bible says that, that as the body of believers comes together, that there's different parts of the body. There's hands that do one thing. There's eyes that do other things. And we've all been given uh, strengths and weaknesses that connect with one another and help each other out. But I think for the struggles and the trials and the frustrations, the areas that we need miracles to step in, the one thing we're missing out on is, have we said, okay, God, in spite of this, in spite of what looks like the future holds, I'm going to live in the purpose that you've called me to. I'm going to take a step of faith and choose to live in your purpose. If, if you'll do that, I believe a product of living in that purpose is an, a miraculous gift that God has given us it's peace. It's, it's free from tension, free from worry, free from stress. If we remember what God has done in the past, we hold on to hope for the future. As we choose today to live in the purpose that he's called us to, I believe we have an opportunity to experience peace. It doesn't start with a plan for tomorrow. It doesn't start with you getting all your ducks in a row beforehand and then taking a step. It's with today, much like Joseph, saying, you know what? In spite of what I have got planned, I'm going to live in the purpose that God has before me. I'm going to work his plan and what he wants. You will see miracle after miracle after miracle come through what Joseph did in choosing to do what God told him to do and living on purpose. Many people think, well, we don't hear a whole lot about Joseph after this scripture. And I think we're, we're dead wrong. As I look at my son and how he watches me and how he takes on my mannerisms. The other day he said something so sarcastic. I'm like, where did you learn that? And even as I asked, I knew exactly where he came from. As I see my nephews wake up and, and dress like their father, to take on the same mannerisms, I, I know that what happens gets absorbed into them. So as God had this purpose of Joseph to raise his son, we see the Bible says that Joseph was a carpenter. And in the book of Mark, we hear that Jesus was a carpenter. That he had, a, at some point in, the, in between, had apprenticed for his father. 
and taken on the skills and the knowledge and the understanding of how to do this specific job. Joseph wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a leader. He wasn't successful. He just lived on purpose. And he let that purpose change the world that he was in. That purpose would then go on to die for your and my sins. Living on purpose will change the world that you're in. It'll provide you more peace than anything in this world can bring. I know people that have the right jobs. I know people that have plenty of enough money. I know people that have uh, the right connections and right friends and are still as miserable as they can be. But choosing today to live on purpose for what God has for you will change your life forever and will give you the miracle of peace beyond what you can experience in anything else. And that's what I want to leave you with here today. So if you're here today and um, you feel like maybe there's separation between you and Jesus, maybe you feel like you have not made that connection or maybe that connection you feel like has been, has been stretched and maybe you feel like there's been something that has gotten in between you and Jesus, I want to challenge you today to, to, to choose today to mend that, to adjust that. And if you were to do it, you'd pray a prayer, something like this. So with every head bowed or every eye closed, um, if, if this is you, if you want to take this step and reconnect or to connect for the first time with him, maybe you pray this prayer to yourself. It would go something like this. Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need you as a Savior. You know what I've done. You know my faults. I know that you died on the cross and you took on the weight of my sin and my shame. I thank you for it. Today, I declare you as my own Lord, personal Savior. Have your way in my life. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to pray for us all before we leave here this morning. Heavenly Father, God, as your sons and your daughters, you know exactly what we struggle with. You know what our worries are. You know where our anxiety is. You know the miracle that we need today. God, right now, I pray that you would use your Holy Spirit to come down and communicate to us individually the purpose that you've called us to. Much like you sent an angel to Joseph and you calmed him, you gave him peace. You said, hey, if you do this, if this is the thing that you will take a step in, you'll work it out. God, I pray that you would do the same thing with us. God, that you would charge us with taking a step in our faith as we grow in our relationship with you. And God, I thank you so much for the gift of peace. And God, right now I pray that as we start this week off, as we go home with our families, as we get back in our vans and our SUVs, as we go to lunch today, as we continue Christmas shopping and every other stressful thing that happens this year, I pray that peace what holds strong as we choose to live in the purpose that you have for us. I pray for peace in our families, in our community. I thank you so much. I believe as, as you continue to do work in us, the best is still yet for the world we live in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.
as always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.